Welcome to season four of Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Perez, and in this show, we'll be talking to some real life experts on how to get through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and not maybe, but definitely feelings of helplessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we may be more prepared for this moment than we realize. So let's get started and see what we can relearn. Historically, in the United States, we like to sort of mark and remember by noticing what we were doing in our lives right at the exact moment of really important, full of meaning events. I've heard people say, where were you when 9-11 happened? What were you doing as the Twin Towers were coming down? Or to other older elders in the community and in my family, where were you when Martin Luther King was assassinated? How about when Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated? Usually it's around markers and moments of profound loss and anticipated grief. Moments where it's going to take a while for us to heal, quote, bounce back, be who we were before, or time to reinvent who we can be. I mention these things because I'm thinking back to where were you and what were you doing in 2016 when the U.S. election results came down slowly but surely indicating that Donald Trump was going to be the next president of the United States? I was at home in Reno, Nevada, and... Um, some distant friends had come into town uh, from California, our neighboring state, to help do some GOTV work. And that's an acronym, right, for get out the vote. And we were all kind of in this moment of knowing that it may, unfortunately, unfathomably, be a close race. And that we weren't necessarily completely supportive of a Hillary Clinton win as much as we were in support of a Donald Trump loss. It was a definite lesser of two evils, but not a campaign where folks were out in the streets, pounding the pavement, door knocking, making sure that friends and family and neighbors had voted because there was so much energy and excitement behind a Clinton return to the White House. More so a by any means necessary defeat of what many feared would be a very brutal, racist, sexist, homophobic, and at worst, violent presidency. I went to bed that night on November 3rd, 2016, 
in my usual state in middle life, where, well, there's still some hope, right? Can't give up hope completely. I haven't worked and fought for 40, at that time, 40 years of my life, just so that one election could take everything that I fought so hard for away. So I remember thinking, gosh, that electoral college, they'll do the right thing. And then they didn't. Well, maybe there's a way that, that the impeachment can begin and, and that'll do it. That came and went. And before we knew it, it was book after book, article after article, person after person coming forward and sharing just how incompetent, just how dangerous, just how vile, just how completely life-threatening to democracy and the world as we knew it, this presidential term would be. And every day, it was like trying to get to your final days of work, your final days of school, your final days of the diet or life-changing, altering moment where it's like hash marks. Two more days, three more days, four more weeks, just a couple more months, just one more year before the next election. And those four years came hard and fast and had an added bonus of not just, and what if we have all these kids separated from their families in cages at the border? What if we have all these bans on our brothers and sisters who are Muslim, coming from Muslim-dominated countries? What if we potentially shut down more funding to life-saving health care for women? What if we just kept having court case after court case trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act? All these things happening, but the what if that we did not anticipate or plan into. Although, let's be honest, we've thought about it. We've been warned about it, whether through fiction or nonfiction, books and stories and television shows and movies. We've known that there is one thing that we did not plan for that was maybe feeling impossible but in the word impossible is in fact the word possible. In fact, people play with that word impossible and say, well, impossible is really just I am possible. Well, you know what was possible? A global worldwide pandemic of the likes that we hadn't even been reminded of historically. When's the last time you saw a movie or read a book about the Black Plague? When was the last time you saw a TV show about the Spanish flu? Right. These are not necessarily the things that are on top of mind. And yet... It is at top of mind, in front of the face, all-consuming, politically polarizing. We are 10 months in to a worldwide global pandemic with really still no end in sight. Every country across the globe is somewhere in their relationship with COVID-19. They're just starting to get to know each other. They've definitely been dating a while. It's getting pretty serious. It is a full-on committed relationship. Nobody 
is breaking up. There's lots of fights. There's incredible disagreements in this relationship with this pandemic, but nobody has been able to cut ties with COVID-19. Now let's rewind. We call it COVID-19 because it began in 2019. It is now 2020. It is early October, October 4th to be exact, 2020 today. And at this time, 10 months after the first folks contracted COVID-19, we are in the middle of a presidential election with less than 40 days before election day. Just this week, we have the US president, several senators, and most of the entire West Wing finally testing positive for COVID-19. And let me stop here for a second. I say finally, because this entire time, the West Wing, those loyal to supporting the current president, Donald Trump, have been politicizing the idea of public and personal safety. It is political whether or not you wear a mask. It is a meme, it is a signal, it is a sign that you are either for or against science, you are either for or against the current administration, you are either for and against the Republican Party, you are either for or against your life and the life of others. It is not an easy time. In the future, people will ask older generations, where were you? Not during a particular year, not during a particular moment, but during a particular time frame. Where were you and what were you doing and how old were you during the COVID-19 pandemic? because it will not be a singular conversation. It will not be a singular story. This is marking our lives, much like the virus itself, leave marks on lungs, brains, and many different internal organs as we are still learning just how dangerous this disease is. Countries and municipalities and cities and states that had lower numbers now have high numbers. Those who had high numbers, the numbers went down of contractions and deaths, and then the numbers went up. Globally, over a million people have died from COVID-19. In the United States, over 200,000 people have already died in 10 months. We are turning the corner on year one of COVID-19. And while the current administration wants to say that a cure, a vaccine is around the corner, the only thing that truly was around the corner was more death and more positive test results to having COVID-19. Since we last spoke to the 30 individuals that we are archiving during this time, many things have happened. 
It's been almost three months since we last spoke to folks. And in that time, everything happened once again, all at once. During this summertime, we had on the West Coast nearly 400 fires. Let me repeat that. In the last three months, on the West Coast of the United States, we have had nearly 400 fires. Thousands of homes destroyed. Hundreds and thousands of lives destroyed. Some communities were the same communities where just a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, there was also devastating fires. Imagine you can't go outside without a mask. You cannot gather in more than 10 people in a group, and yet your entire home and community is up in flames, and now you are by the thousands in a school gymnasium. And all those masks that you have, maybe you have a few of them now. Oh, and that mask that you had to prevent you from getting COVID-19 or spreading COVID-19 is now also doubling once again on the West Coast as a means of saving yourself, not just from a pandemic, but from lung scarring, from air quality levels that are higher than the top of the index. The air quality index tops max at 500. But in Oregon this summer, it was above 500. Where I live in Reno, Nevada this summer, it was 497. For months, almost the entire three months since I last spoke to our 30 amazing individuals, I have barely left my house, not because of COVID, but because of air quality and the harsh ways in which smoke prevents you from seeing cars in front of you, tears up your eyes, makes your throat hurt, and it gives you long-term damage just from having your windows open and from being outside. Picture after picture started circulating early on when we just had 300 or so fires at once of farm workers in the fields of the central valleys of California with masks on, coverings of their face, while massive raging walls of orange-red fire were all around them. There has never been just one thing that could kill so many of us living in the most marginalized communities, migrant communities, undocumented communities, women, folks in the LGBTQIA community, folks struggling to make ends meet, our poorest communities, our most disabled communities have always had multiple ways in which harm can come knocking on their door. But all at once, it's like the busiest Halloween day of your life, but the only people knocking aren't there to take your candy, it's there to take your life. And let's talk about Halloween, because today's October 4th, and Halloween is just weeks away. What will it look like? What has it looked like? 
By the way, there are still several fires burning right now as I speak. The president is inside a hospital and has been for several days now with fevers up and down, although apparently he did go in his car recently, endangering five Secret Service members so that he could drive around in the car and wave to his supporters. Yes, the president is in the hospital, and there are protesters outside of the hospital, some supporting the president and some protesting the president. And all of this happened while just a few weeks ago, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Not from COVID-19, no, from the other killer of so many lives across the world, but deeply in the United States, cancer. It was more than her fifth bout with cancer. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also known as the notorious RBG, gave her life and her life's work to the Supreme Court. Her parting words to her granddaughter were, to please not appoint her replacement until after the presidential election was complete. And yet, that wish of the first woman and the first Jewish American to lie in waiting in Washington, D.C., will not be honored. The irony here is that President Trump announced RBG's replacement, ACB, are her initials, a conservative, the third conservative Supreme Court justice that Donald Trump will be able to appoint. And when he made this announcement in the Rose Garden of the White House, several Republican senators and most of the West Wing administration, including many of Trump's family members, were all gathered together, not six feet apart, definitely more than 10 people, and virtually everyone not wearing a mask. This was the moment in which many believe that Donald Trump and all of those who support him, close to him right now, who have all tested positive for COVID-19, this is in fact the moment in which they all contracted it. Retribution, irony, the work of those in the afterlife, who knows? All we know is that it feels like we're back here again. People aren't necessarily the most excited about the Democratic candidate, Joe Biden. And we're back in this moment in politics, somewhat reminiscent before the Obama years. Some would say they've always felt this way. Some would say, I don't know what you're talking about. And that way is that this isn't an election for what you do want. More so, it is an election for what you don't want. 
what you're tired of. And so we're back. We're back talking to the same amazing 30 people about what they're tired of, what they want back, and what might be impossible to actually ever remember because it's been so long already since we last tasted it. This season, season four, we're going to be asking our guests about how they feel about the upcoming election. What were the last three months for them like? And more importantly, what are the long-term scars that both this presidency and this pandemic, the fires, climate change, the environment, everything. What kinds of long-lasting permanent effects will this have on us as individuals and us as a planet? I mean, I guess the most important idea is that there's some permanency to some of the changes that we have had to make, that we have been asked to make. It also being October in the fall means that schools already started in the United States. Some completely virtual, some completely non-existent, some kind of partially some days in person, some days not. And all of these changes, these trials, these experiments, all of them have successes and failures, risks and rewards. But what they all have in common, what this time all has in common, is that for the last 10 months, we've been thinking, reflecting, feeling, imagining, wondering, what it is that we want. What it is that we're willing to risk to get it. And maybe more importantly, what is it that we absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, need and must have? There are too many names to list of both black and brown and white individuals who have died at the hands of state-sanctioned violence in the last 10 months. Whether that has been from police brutality, from protesting and being shot by organized state supported and sanctioned militia or from individuals that then hide and cover up murders happening on U.S. military bases. 
the state is responsible for so many lives at this point. Will it be up to the state to protect future lives? Or are we in the great awakening, the great truth understanding that maybe the most responsible are you and me and the power that we give away, the power that we support, and the power that we have not yet flexed yet. All I know is that it's time. Time for what? I'm not quite sure, but it's definitely about time. You've been listening to Been There, Done That, your pandemic survival podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Perez. Stay well and stay human. And as global, global stewards of this time, I, for one, am also about to return, about to return back to chemo treatments. This will not be my first chemo during the pandemic. It will be my second. But I'm not so sure exactly when it's going to start. You see, I was supposed to start chemo in about five days. But in all of this summertime where we get together outside, six feet apart, masks on, we've been doing a lot of socializing here in my house. And we had dinner last week with someone. And three days later, we got a phone call. Hi, I tested positive for COVID. You should probably get tested. And I'm sorry. I got a test on Friday morning. It is now Sunday. It has been almost three days and I have heard nothing yet. Today I went back to take another test just in case the viral load is now higher in my body. I have no answers. I only have tests. And depending on how those tests go, I will put my life in danger sooner, or I will put my 
life in danger further away. You see, if you remember, life is always a gift over here on this side of the mic. It's unclear to me more and more as I live and this world evolves in all of its different ways, just exactly how it is that I'm going to die. All I know, all any of us know, is that it is the thing, though, that is most inevitable. And what is becoming also most inevitable is our control of the how and the when. When this season is over, we will talk to everyone one last time at the end of the calendar year, as it will be one whole year, the first year of COVID-19. We're in the middle of many U.S. holidays from Halloween and Thanksgiving to Christmas and the New Year and on and on. Depending on how the election goes, many might call that a holiday as well. All I know is that it's time. I don't know what for just yet, but I do know that it is in fact time.